Welcome to another episode of Talking Sports with Manny, and this is your host, Manny. Let's get it. What's good, everybody, man? Welcome to the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. This is the Talking Sports with Manny podcast. Um, I don't know what episode this is. This is probably episode 67, but we'll get to it when we get to it. So various topics today. Um, we're going to talk some NBA. We're going we're to talk some NFL. Now, the biggest news so far today was the Saints, Ryan Ramchek signing a five-year uh, extension, and that was $90 million. So roughly, you know, 18.5 a year with the new money and old money combined, you're talking about an average of $19.2 million a year. That is crazy for a tackle, but you know what? The market continues to reset itself. So let me go ahead and... um share my screen and we can go ahead and dive in on this topic. So here it is, New Orleans Saints. They're signing Ryan Ramchek to a five-year, $96 million extension, sources say. And, um, you know, he's happy. He just had his newborn. Uh, shouts out to him. Like I mentioned earlier, $92 million per year. That's a big, big amount right there. And when I show you guys what the other offensive linemen are making, then it'll, you know, you guys will better understand uh, the magnitude of how markets continue to be uh, uh, changed or, um, I mean, Trent Williams is definitely sitting at top, right? But they say this guy is the right tackle. I don't know too much about him, but what I do know is that his resume is bananas. OK, he's a multi uh, all pro. You know, he was the 32nd pick of the draft in 2017. So a lot of people think that you cannot get value, maximum value at the end of the first round. But you actually, actually can. And uh, here's a guy that was picked with the very last pick of the first round. And he is amounted to a first team all pro in 2019 and second team uh, all pro in 2018 and 2020. So. I mean, this is a three-time All-Pro. He's been on an All-Pro team three three different times. This is big. So he deserves the money that he got. But as good as he is, he didn't get the money. To, and look, I always talk about, you know, the luxury of teams being able to re-sign everybody on their squad when you're not paying a quarterback. When you look at the Saints, who do they have a quarterback right now? You know, you got, um, you got what's his name? Uh, Jamie, I mean, uh, I'm gonna say Jamie Davis, <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Neither guy are commanding big time money. So when you're paying these quarterbacks that are vets and, and you know, solid, decent money, you're able to resign a lot of guys. Now, I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to show you guys what the Saints are doing, what they're, you know, what uh, like the motive they're thinking is when you look at them. Um, they have tons of guys that, that they need to pay, tons of guys that, that they need to resign. So let me share my screen. Okay, let's go ahead and start with the highest paid O-line first. So highest paid O-line, you got Trent Williams at $23 million a year. 23, 0 
23.1. Then you have David Batiari out there, $23 million a year. You have Lermy Tunsil, $22 million a year. Then Ron Staley and Lane Johnson, Colton Miller, Ramchek. So you see Ramchek is at $18 million a year. We're not talking about with the new money, old money. This is just roughly the average, right? You have Garrett Bowles, Joe Thune, and then Taylor Lewan at $16 million a year. So when they paid Taylor Lewan, when the Titans paid Taylor Lewan, everybody was saying, oh, my gosh, you know, he's getting paid. But look at that. It's a, it's a severe discount now. What up, the real man? What's good with you, man? So Taylor Lewan, the deal that he signed years ago, is now a steal at $16 million a year. But, you know, he's going to be due for, for another contract coming up. So when that time comes, that time comes. But you look at the highest paid O-lineman. Out of all these guys, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Thune is the only guard getting paid $16 million a year. So you guys know I got to talk about my Washington football. I got to talk about my guys. So Brandon Sheriff wants to get paid, right? Right now he's on that franchise tag. What does that tell you? He wants to be the highest paid guard in the league. But Brandon Sheriff is considering himself as more than a guard, even though he only plays guard. So when you're looking at Brandon Sheriff and what he can possibly make, me personally, if I'm giving this guy a four or five year deal, I'm not giving him more than 16.01 per year. He wants to be the highest paid guard. You make him the highest paid guard by a few dollars here and there just to make it work. Because you see, Trent Williams wanted to be the highest paid O lineman, right? What did they do? He now gets paid $23.01 million a year. And that's just a 0 0.01 more, uh, <laughs> you know, than uh, David Batiari. My boy Washington Addicts, Washington Football Addicts says, Sheriff is drunk. His ceiling is $16 million. I totally agree with you. Brandon Sheriff is asking for more than what he can receive. His ceiling is $16 million. If he's smart, Take 14 or 15. <laughs> Let me see. <clears throat> it says, uh, LOL, you said you said that as I'm typing. Oh, it's all good, bro. It's all good. Brandon Sheriff wants to get paid as the highest paid guard, but then he he, he considers himself as, as important as some of the top left tackles. We're not even talking about right tackles. We all know that left tackles get paid more because they're guarding like the best, uh, uh, you know, rusher, blindside, all that good stuff. So when you look at Brandon Sheriff, yes, he's a one-time All-Pro. Congratulations. Okay, Brandon Sheriff is a great player. He's a, a, a you know a multi multi Pro Bowler. We get all that. But for a guy like Joe Thune, who also has a pretty good resume to get sixteen million, he's like, look, I'm better than I'm better than Joe Thune, you know. But then you look at the age, you know, you look at the system, you look at all these different things, you know. So I, I don't see. Any scenario where the Washington football team pays Brandon Sheriff more than $16 million. Like I've said in my podcast before on the Back Row Redskins show, I've said that Brandon Sheriff is a guy that I can see, you know, walking just because I think he gets paid, but I'm not sure that Washington pays a Brandon Sheriff. So you look at the numbers. These are the numbers. You see it right there for yourself. They talk about the highest paid O-line, and I've seen people like JP and all these different guys say, oh, 
Brandon Sheriff is monitoring what's going on because Ryan uh, uh, Ramchek got $18 million a year as one of the premier uh, uh, tackles in the league. One of the premier tackles in the league goes ahead and gets $18 million a year, and you're thinking a guard is going to get that kind of money? That's crazy. If anything, Brandon Sheriff deserves really $13 to $14 million a year. But, I mean, the market has spoke for itself. He's been franchise tagged two times in a row. So, if anything, he's going to spike Washington. He's going to go somewhere else and take less just to say that the Washington football team have disrespected him. So, we'll see what happens. Maybe he has a change of heart after this good season that the football team is about to have. But I just wanted to kind of put that out there. I am going to share my screen another uh, one more time, and I'm going to show the luxury of what happens when you pay um, everybody but your quarterback just so that Washington fans can put things into perspective because everybody wants to pay everybody. You know, everybody wants to trade for a top-tier, um, you know, uh, uh, quarterback, but there are things that come with it. So you see the Saints draft class of 2017. That was magnificent. That was amazing. They were able to get all these different gems. In this same draft, they were able to draft, uh, um, I, like, I, like, like, like I've mentioned before, Ryan uh, Ramchek. Um, you know, he just got his deal, 90 million, five years. Alvin Kamar, he was a guy that they stole. They stole. It was a highway robbery in the third round to get Alvin Kamar. Um, he just got his own money, $75 million for five years. And mind you, Alvin Kamar didn't get the highest paid uh, money for running backs. He got a fair amount of money. Same thing with Ryan, uh, Ryan Ramsack. He didn't get the highest paid uh, uh, money, but guess what? It was a competitive rate for what? you know, for who he is and what he is. Trey Hendrickson, another guy from that 2017 draft by the Bengals who signed with the Saints this year, four-year. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Trey Hendrickson went to the Bengals. I apologize. Yeah, so yeah, he, he went to the Bengals. So it just goes to show you that people are getting paid, right? But then you look at Marshawn Lattimore, who's due to get paid. You look at Marcus Williams, who's due to get paid, who's on a, a franchise tag right now. Those are two guys that are, that are going to get some massive extensions. So when you look at the basis of your team, how who, who are the core players of your team? Let's look at the Saints, and then we're going to look at the football team. So when you look at the Saints, you got their tackle, Ryan Ramchak. You have Alvin Kamara. Okay, you have Marshawn Lattimore, one of the premier top corners in the league. You have uh, uh, Marcus Williams, safety, one of the best safeties in the league. Okay. So if this is if these are your core guys, right? You have a guy on, on the O-line, you have a guy on the skill position, meaning Alvin Kamara. Oh, let's not forget about uh, uh Michael Thomas, who, who's already getting paid. So you have all these different guys that are getting paid. You can do this when you don't overpay, overspend for a quarterback with Drew Brees money off the books. You're now you like you now have Jay uh uh Jameis Winston. And Taysom Hill taking that money, but in a lesser degree. So I say all this to say, if the Washington football team's five best players, in my opinion, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Terry McLaurin, you have uh, uh, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, who needs to get paid. And we're going to talk about Jonathan Allen in a minute. Jonathan Allen is another guy that deserves to get paid for the Washington football team. When you look at all the top-tier defensive uh, um, tackles out there, you'll see that 
some of the guys are getting paid, you know, 16 million, 17 million, so on and so forth. You know, Aaron Donald is up there. And I'm going to find that graphic in a minute and, and I'm going to share it. But I want to talk about Jonathan Allen because when we talk about paying our guys, it's not about overpaying. It's about paying a competitive rate. It's all about paying that competitive rate. So in my humble opinion, when you have a Jonathan Allen who has done some great things this year, right? The way that you give Jonathan Allen good market value is giving him something competitive. He's definitely not the best defensive tackle in the league. You know what I'm saying? There are other guys that get uh, paid more. And I got to find that graphic by Mitch Tischler. If I can find that graphic by Mitch Tischler, then I will share it. If not, then it's all good. Mitch Tischler. There you are. I have to find. I have to figure out how to spell Tischler. But he had an awesome, awesome graphic. And that's the next graphic that I'm actually going to share uh, on my screen for those that are watching, for those that are, that are going to catch the replay. This is the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. Please be sure um, to uh, subscribe, to like, and to share. So when we look at the highest paid defensive tackles in the league, you got Joey Bosa on this list, you know, at $27 million a year. You have Miles Garrett, $25 million a year. You have Aaron Donald. That's the first defensive tackle that we're seeing. You have Leonard Williams, who's a defensive tackle, defensive end, more so defensive tackle. But even at that, you're seeing him at $21 million a year, and you see that he has a higher pedigree. He has a higher pedigree, you know, because of the things that he's done. So give me one moment to calm my boys down. All right, so when you look at uh, Leonard, like, you know, like I said, his pedigree is higher. His resume is higher. He was, uh, you know, a higher first-round pick. They traded massive assets to get him, meaning the Giants. So you understand why he got paid. So we kind of let him slide a little bit. Then you have Demarcus Lawrence, DeForest Buckner, okay? He gets paid $21 million a year. But DeForest Buckner has done more. I think that DeForest Buckner is the second best defensive tackle in the league after Aaron Donald. That's just my opinion. We can debate that. My bad. I just saw Chris Jones. Chris Jones from the Chiefs is the second best um, defensive uh, tackle in the league. I'm sorry. I renege on my statement. It's Chris Jones. Now, after Chris Jones, then you can say DeForest Buckner. But, you know, both are interchangeable. But Chris Jones has done more. He has more sacks. He has more impact, more accolades, right? Then you look at the Kenny Clarks of the world and the Fletcher Coxes of the world. The, this makes up the group of defensive tackles, right? Then you have uh, Jared, uh, uh, Grady Jarrett. So when you look at all these top guys that are getting paid, you ask yourself, where does Jonathan Allen fit in? How much money does Jonathan Allen actually deserve to get? And I was listening to somebody talk, and they said, Jonathan Allen is looking – in the neighborhood of $16 million a year. Now, is Jonathan Allen really worth $16 million a year? We'll see. We'll see what the market says. But my guess is that Jonathan Allen gets anywhere between $14 to $16 million a year, but it all boils down to years. It all boils down to years. Maybe he takes a, a, a lesser, uh, I mean, more money, but less years. Maybe like a two- to three-year deal.
and then hit free agency all over again. So we'll see what happens there. But Jonathan Allen is probably looking at $16 million a year. So you so you have Sheriff who's looking at 16 or higher. You have Jonathan Allen who's looking at 16 or higher. And if the football team had to choose between one of these two guys, who do you take? This is a question for the Washington football fans that are going to be watching this replay. Let me know in the comment section. Are you going to take a uh, Jonathan Allen or are you going to take a Brandon Sheriff? Consider the age, consider the projection, and consider uh, um, the upside as well. So I'm going to leave it at that. So next topic I'm going to talk about is the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I was watching the game last night, and prior to the game, you look at Trey Young, and Trey Young is out the game. These NBA playoffs have been terrible this year. Um, you've had guys, you know, continue to get hurt and continue to get hurt and continue to get hurt. And I kept thinking to myself, like, what is this? Like, why is it that these players just continue to get hurt? It reminds me of the COVID NFL season last year. Tons of NFL players getting hurt. But there, there's really nobody to blame. You know, you jump, you come down, you hyperextend your knee. But there is good news. Giannis's knee uh, didn't suffer any tear, didn't suffer any any uh you know broken ligaments everything is all intact with his knee but he's still doubtful for game five but let's talk about game four so game four i'm thinking that the bucks were going to run away with it you know no trey young a guy that's been giving them 20 to 30 points every single night consistently he's the heart and soul of the atl hawks and when he got hurt in game three the, the like the entire game changed so honestly i thought they had zero chance they had zero chance uh of doing anything so to fast forward, I'm watching the game. Giannis is struggling. Um, Middleton is struggling. And Drew Holiday, who was overpaid, he was first team all defense, but he's given them nothing on the offensive side. And when he has, it's been sporadic. Drew Holiday has been very, very inconsistent. So when you look at what the Bucks were able to do, they pretty much did nothing. You know, when P.J. Tucker is your leading scorer to a certain point in the game where Giannis gives you zero points in that first quarter, it just tells you, like, they were struggling. And you got to give the ATL Hawks some credit because their defense held up. They were able to play very, very good defense, and they were able to handle themselves. And before Giannis got hurt, ATL was winning and, and had momentum. The minute that Giannis got hurt, they were able to rip off, I think it was like a 15 to 2 run. You know, you even had Cam Reddish who was able to come in and give these guys a punch. You know, uh, Cam Reddish was very instrumental to what these guys were able to do yesterday. So, I mean, big shout out to ATL. I got to give them credit because honestly, I didn't see this happening, but it did happen. Lou Williams stepped in to start for the ATL Hawks. And look, Lou Williams, <laughs> Lemon Pepper Lou. Stepped up big time with 21 big points. I predicted 30. I was nine off. Um, he had eight assists, five rebounds. He was solid. Clint Capella was able to come out there, 15 points, seven rebounds. Played very, very well. Um, also, Bogdanovich had 20 points. He's been a big piece. And if you guys remember the storyline, Bogdanovich was supposed to be traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. The trade falls through. And guess what? You end up in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Bogdanovich happens to be a major player. He was 6 for 14 from the three-point line. He had 20 points, three rebounds, five assists, four steals. 
very solid, man. Kevin Herter, you know, he he struggled from the three-point line, but this guy came up big for them. He had 15 points. He had, um, you know, six rebounds, seven assists. He was very, very solid for these guys. And shout out to Kevin Herter. And then you look off the bench. You got De De Delano Gallinari, 10 points, 10 big points. He was able to ISO. He was able to get some big buckets for these boys. Cam Reddish came off the bench, gave him a good 12 points. I mean, he was solid. He was efficient, five for nine. Uh, that's something that he hasn't really done in his career is efficiency. So it was kind of good to see him step up. And then Okongu. Okongu came out there 15 minutes, gave him seven points. He was perfect from the field. But you guys know that watching this game, the best game, I mean, the best shot of this game was when Clint Capella was stuck in the baseline. He had nowhere to go. He looks left. He looks right. He throws it up from behind the backboard and it swishes. And the Cameron Mutombo is like, oh, my gosh, wow, like what's going on? That was an amazing moment of the game. When I saw that, I just knew that the Atlanta Hawks for sure, for sure, sealed the win. Giannis played 24 minutes. And in the 24 minutes that he played, he was not spectacular at all. He had 14 points. He had uh, eight rebounds, you know, one block. You know, those are solid numbers, but not for a two-time MVP. He needed Giannis to be Giannis, and he couldn't do that. P.J. Tucker had eight points, but for the longest time, P.J. Tucker was the leading scorer for the longest time. Drew Holiday struggled again from the field, uh, six for 17. Uh, Middleton was also six for 17 from the field. They both had 19 and 16 points, respectively. Now, granted, Drew Holiday did pitch in with nine assists, but it was just not enough. Off the bench, you just had just a bunch of guys. You know, Porter and Cunnington played 21 and 26 minutes, respectively, and those guys were only able to muster up 10 points in between those two guys. Milwaukee's going to need a collective effort if they want a chance in game five. They're going to need everybody clicking on all cylinders. It looks like Giannis is not going to play. But when you look at this roster, it's still a very solid roster. You still have P.J. Tucker. You still have Middleton. You still have Brooke Lopez, um, Drew Holiday, and the rest of them. You're going to need Thanasis Atitakumbo to step up in the place of his brother. He's going to get some minutes. But Bobby Portis is probably going to be inserted into that starting lineup. So, really, Bobby Portis is a guy that should have been getting minutes, but he's not. So, when Bobby Portis goes into that starting lineup, who then do you have come off the bench to give you points? Maybe you let Jordan Nora get some minutes. You know, maybe Pat Cunnington is the guy that steps up. I mean, I don't know. Milwaukee is a deep team, but they're not as deep as I once thought they were. So, it's going to be interesting right now. ATL has all the momentum, and then we don't know what happens with Trey Young. We don't know if Trey Young comes back and he's healthy, you know. So, game five is going to be in Milwaukee, and I'm telling you right now, Milwaukee is going to have its crowd going, it's going to be buzzing in that city. And like I said, Milwaukee is going to need a perfect, perfect game in order to win this. I don't see them winning this. I, I, I think ATL now wins the series in five. I mean, in in six, especially if Giannis is not available uh, to, you know, to play. So next topic for discussion, the Lakers have hired David Fisdale. You know, he was, you know, a guy that was solid uh, with his stint with the Memphis Grizzlies. But let's talk about his time with the New York Knicks. You know, he was fired just after 22 games in the 20, uh, 2019-2020 uh, season. And he was 20 and 83 overall as a New York Knicks coach. I think that franchise is cursed, but that franchise was able to do some things last year. So I can't really blame him for his time in New York. But let's look at what he did with the Grizzlies. In his first season with the Grizzlies, you know, he made it to the playoffs. 
that's pretty good. Anytime a coach can take his team to the playoffs, that's pretty good. And I, I like his tenacity and his grit, you know. But when you look at the Grizzlies, right, um, after that first season, he was fired, you know, after going 7-12 and 12 the next season. I, I believe that he didn't deserve to get fired, but he did. You know, just one of those things. Now, Fisdale coming to the Lakers to replace the Jason Kidd. The Lakers were already a team that struggled with offense. So what, what can Fisdale really bring to this squad? You know, is Fisdale really a guy that's going to come in and help these guys offensively? Probably not. But what Fisdale does bring to this team is that grit, that tenacity. He has this, uh, this grit and tenacity about him that I like. You know, players respect him. He's a great speaker. He's a great leader. You know, and sometimes you can't go off of what the record says because what happens is the NFL with these coaching hires is it's a it's a musical chair is a carousel coaching carousel. These coaches get fired. They go somewhere else and they have success. Look at Nate McMillan with the Atlanta Hawks. You know, the guy there gets fired. Nate McMillan steps up and they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it happens. Most of these coaches are good coaches. It's all about getting the right blend of players. Now, the Lakers' offensive woes in terms of scoring, you can't really pin that on, on the coaches. Now, Frank Vogel, as an offensive coach, is terrible. As a defensive coach, he's pretty solid. So, is Fisdell going to help them out offensively? No. I think the Lakers need more offensive guys coming in. They need a different grouping they have a they need a different personnel grouping to even have a chance to do something special on the offensive side so i'm not going to pin that on the coach was fizzdale a good hire yes is he the right hire yes i mean i've been i've been on twitter seeing lakers fans you know they're complaining they're crying about the hire laker fans are never really um happy with guys that they get so i say all this to say Fisdale, I think, was a big-time money hire. I think he adds some experience to that Lakers coaching staff. But we're going to see what happens with Fisdale. But um, in terms of the Lakers offense, they're going to need some guys that can shoot the ball. They're going to need a guy that, that's like a Lou Williams who can you know create for himself. So before you start blaming the coaches, let's see what the personnel looks like. Then we can talk about do they have the right coaches uh, for this team in terms of offensive efficiency from the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's talk about the game tonight. You got the Phoenix Suns versus the LA Clippers. Phoenix Suns should have closed the game out the last game. Now it's game six. I'm telling you right now, if this game goes seven, if the Clippers win tonight and game seven is in, I think game seven is in uh, Phoenix. So that's what's saving Phoenix. But it can go either way. It can go either way because there's only been four teams to win three games in a row after being down 3-1. So it's going to be interesting. Chris Paul got to step it up. Look, Chris Paul might never, ever, ever in his entire lifetime ever have a chance to win another NBA title if he doesn't get to the uh, finals this year. There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be hard. The Suns have been gift-wrapped a finals appearance you look in the first round who did they play they played um who was it in the first round phoenix played the lakers ad gets hurt right and they beat the defending world champions kudos to them 
They go to the next round and you're playing Denver. Had they played Portland, that would have been a better matchup. But they go ahead and they sweep the Denver Nuggets. Another game, another guy without their top-tier guy, you know, being out. So that's number two. They sweep those guys. Jamal Murray is a big part of what they do. No problem. Round three, you're now playing the Clippers, and Kawhi is injured. Kawhi is out. So like I said, the Phoenix Suns have been gift-wrapped a finals appearance. And if they don't take advantage of this tonight, all momentum goes to the Clippers. Like I said, Chris Paul, this is Chris Paul's last chance to get to the finals. I honestly think because he's what, like, what, 35, almost 36. You know, uh, he gets hurt a lot, you know, durability issues for Chris Paul. So the Phoenix Suns have to wrap it up tonight. I'm telling you guys, game seven, it can go either way. It's literally 50-50. And I think that if the Clippers get to game seven, I will not be shocked if the Clippers win it in seven. But my prediction is that the Phoenix Suns win it tonight. So, guys, man, this wraps it up. And we talked a little bit about the Washington football team. For those of you guys who are just coming on now, go back and catch the replay. Go back and rewind. For those of you guys that are watching the replay, please subscribe. Please share. Please give me your thoughts in the comment section. Uh, this is the Talking Sports with Manny podcast, episode 67, I believe, or 68. I don't know. I don't even care. But this is your guy. Uh, talk everything NFL. Oh, got to give a shout out to the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals are hot right now. These guys are blazing the trails. And Devin talks about the Nationals uh, uh, as buyers at the trade deadline. I think the Nationals are going to be buyers because if they get the right players, they can possibly win that division, get into the postseason. And once you get into the postseason, anything can happen. These guys are – look, nobody wants to play the Nationals right now. They're hot, and when you're hot, you have to ride that momentum. So this is the episode. This is the podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, and I will catch you guys on the next episode. Tonight, in the next 20 or 40 uh, – sorry, in the next 40 minutes, I'm going to be in the ProTech Network uh, YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a show. We're going to be doing a Washington football episode. So if you guys want to you know, jump on over there, you guys will catch me there. But uh, once again, this is the Talking Sports with Manny YouTube channel. This is the Talking Sports with Manny podcast. I will catch you guys on the next episode.